This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Welcome to Linux In-Laws, Season 1, still... Episode 97. Yes. Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin, how are things? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's difficult to answer that one. Many things. Let me, are, let me guess. Let me many guess. things are uh, happening. Hmm. The, the United Kingdom is no longer united. Mm, no, it's yes, still, still united for the time <laughs> being. For the time being, it's still. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But that's uh, okay. Charles has stepped down. Not as far as I know. We are rec we are recording this in April. No, 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 no. He was he was in <laughs> fact at the um, at the AI, AI summit in Benchley Park a couple of days ago. So unless something has happened in between, and he has been so he re was replaced by a Terminator hmm. or something. Maybe, maybe Excellent. yes. Excellent. No, no, the Terminator himself was there as well. Actually, um, he was. Yeah, yeah. You mean Donald Trump was in Benchley Park? No, no, Elon, Elon. <laughs> He was. What did he, he say? Uh, oh, AI can be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Neil. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> if you if you listen to this, <laughs> spot on. Yeah. A rumor has it you, you are. You probably watched funded. the movie as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, you're funded. You're co-funded. Oh my! But hell, who gives a shit anyway? <laughs> mm. Anything that can make a quick buck here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and, how are you? Yeah, how are you? Speaking, yeah, sorry, before we go into that, okay. uh, Alan, Mr. Musk, if you're listening, if he you needs some help with something called X, <laughs> formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> simply it's, send a mail to feedback at lilusinlaws.eu. Just mention the, the, the nature of your problem. We'll send a quote and we can help you. Not mm. a big deal. I have a, I have a tip for him as well. He should have called it Y. That would have been much more <laughs> A classic, Mr. Mr. A classic. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, how am going, I? Yeah, how am I? I'm, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm still living in Germany. It hasn't changed. It's getting November. No, it is actually November. Mm, is, so Halloween is. is 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 over. But apart from that, I'm still in one piece. Well, apart from the bits they. It's usually yeah. I'm slowly getting. I'm slowly getting a Terminator. A Terminator myself, I suppose. Anyway, this is not a show about Terminators, but rather about open source software, which yes. nicely segues us into tonight's topic, namely the use of open source software in scary stuff, the public sector. Mm. So, Martin, before we tackle the subject, we should probably define what exactly a public sector is. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, public sector um, is any any uh, organization body that's funded by the taxpayer. Exactly, say. namely by us. And if you're ever yes. wondering where your money goes, as in... Hang on a minute, wait, wait, wait. Do you actually pay tax? <laughs> you don't have a I job, do, do I do, I do, I do, I oh, do, yes. Okay. Every time I buy, I buy a loaf of bread, 
I'm cost, uh, yeah, of course okay. I'm paying value out of taxes. That's so so tax. you don't. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. buy the bread. The missus buys the bread. So. <sighs> Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to 120 years of women's rights? I well, she has the right to buy bread. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> Women of the world, if you're listening, if you want to give out to Martin, just send me to feedback at Linux in well, You don't want them to be able to buy bread. I don't know. Which country are you living in? <laughs> Anyway. Jeez, Martin, is there anything else we should know about you in, in that quarter? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway. This anyway. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Public sector. So if you're ever wondering mm. where your money goes, as in the moolah that you spend on taxes of your, of your hard-earned income, similar like moving stuff to forward slash dev, forward slash null, Yes. <laughs> this is the public sector for you. Public sector, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's no, the um, one public sector to rule them all. Exactly. Which uh, is no. Brussels. <laughs> anyway. No, sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is called London these days, no? No, no, we're not part of this organization. Yeah. I know, but London and Paris is still the capital of something called the Little Kingdom. Yeah. No? Yeah, but we don't pay double taxes yeah. no, no, no you don't pay nice. double taxes but you just pay taxes living there Martin so indeed every pound you earn as you do mm. you have to tax of course and that money goes directly to Daphnol in London I suppose well and then they give it to Scotland to Wales to lots of other, other parts where they don't have much money and lots of unemployment so in the interest of fact-level detail, as in the truth, a tiny fraction of that money goes to Wales, Scotland, and other parts of the kingdom, I suppose. The rest stays where it is. But we won't go into the corruption allegations of the British indeed, government. Indeed. Yeah. Well, they right, just build some new train line which nobody needs. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. So let's take it some other countries that basically... Yes. Made Going back a, to the public sector, yes. Yes, w made a well, well devoted or well, well mentioned well, a, a, a move into into open source software worth mentioning. Hmm. Should we start? Probably let's keep Munich for later because that's a bit of a controversial issue. Mm -hmm. Why don't we start with the UK for that matter, or even or even the US? Yeah, or should sure, we start with sure. France, being that com most common most communist country of them all? France. France, yes. For the people who do not know, France is a country west of Germany in Europe. Capital is Paris. Mm. Now, they are under the impression that they invented a couple of centuries ago the most prestigious red, red wines on the planet. They couldn't be closer to the truth. Well, uh... It's a matter of taste, really. In, it, well, exactly. In addition to this, <laughs> they will claim this all day long. <laughs> I'm sure. in, yeah. in addition, in addition to this, apart from being a very communist state at the very core, you only have to take a closer look because, mm. for example, if you take a close look at funding of all the uh, industry, yeah, <laughs> how much power unions have in France? Uh, yeah, that's true. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. And the amount of vacation you get working in France and when you actually can enter, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not pension life, but 
retirement? Being an OAP, an old age pension. As in a re- Thank you very much, Martin. Yes. At the age when you can enter retirement, which hmm. is, I think, the lowest in Europe, no? Or one of the lowest in Europe. I'm not, not I mean, people took to the streets not too long ago. <laughs> I know that this happens on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> Probably in the last five minutes, they found another reason. <laughs> fair play, fair, fair point. But on the other side, they just took to streets in, in, in droves about the fact that the current minister wanted to lower retirement, wanted to no, increase retirement age from 63 to 64 or something. Hmm. Not to 67, like, for example, in Germany, just one year more or one and a half years more. And the country pretty much came to a standstill. Mm-hmm. That tells you something about the power of the people that hasn't really changed since something called the French Revolution back in the olden days. Yeah, yeah, I think the politicians are well aware of this and <laughs> taking no risks. <laughs> so, and of course, it, it goes without saying that actually France is on the, I wouldn't say on the forefront of floss adoption in Europe, but they, I reckon they have really incorporated, I wouldn't say the slogan public money, public code, which of course goes back to the Free Software Foundation of Europe who Mm. says that essentially that every taxpayer euro, it used to be from, but now it's euro but now it's euro in France, pound dollar, what have you, has to be and, and which is actually spent on open source, on developing open source software, that this source code then has to be open in the open, as in being publicly available. This, and of course, links will be in the show notes. That has been a campaign of the Free Software Foundation, at least in Europe, if not in the US, for quite some time now. And I think some countries have taken this kind of really literally, and France is one of them. For example, and of course, as I said, links will be in the show notes, in 2021, they formed an initiative that was funded to the tune of 30 million euros just for this year and the, and, and the following years, where they said the public, the, the country has to adopt open source software, not just for the, for the sector, but on a general basis, but also they made the code available on code.guv.fr in terms of everybody can take a look at it that is funded by taxpayers' money. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that they were really on the forefront when it came to, for example, adopting LibreSoft, uh, sorry, LibreOffice as a general replacement for proprietary software. As a matter of fact, I think already back in the 2010s, they they con- they devised a staged plan that step by step by step proprietary software would be replaced by open source software and they started actually with LibreOffice and then they moved on to other components. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 there is a, um, <clears throat> a public body that sort of uh, gathers these statistics and um, the French apparently, uh, the French government uses 50% Fifty-seven percent is OSS software, which doesn't sound like that much, but um, it's higher than the average uh, for most countries, which is thirty-five percent. Wow. Okay. So there you go. So what's next, man? UK. Yeah, UK. Yeah, let's do the UK. So UK have always been well, always. Um, they've been uh, having an open source first 
strategy policy uh, for a long time, which doesn't uh, Back completely. Back the last take... five years? Uh, no, no, since since 2011, really. Um... 2011. Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, why doesn't anybody know about this? That's interesting. Because, I mean, well, I can't recall most, making most this people in the UK know about this, but yeah. <laughs> they do, I see. On the, yeah, ah, I see. Well, in, in, the, in the software industry, yeah. Ah, um, we, no, we're getting somewhere, Martin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was even before they left the EU. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but this is, I mean, this is, um, let's say, uh, Probably not a policy as such, because policy would be too strong. It's more like a, a guideline, right? So, so uh, you public bodies try and use open source whenever possible. Um, but, however, this year they did a new policy paper, which, um, again, sort of emphasized the commitment to OSS. So, uh, it's certainly, well, in a professional capacity, it's certainly come uh, become clear that they have that policy, yeah. uh, but it doesn't exclude them not using open source, of course, so, uh, where, where, if and where they choose to do so. But, um, so this is a recommendation because people will be quartered, hanged, and burned in France, hmm. as usual, I might add. I'm joking, um, people. No, um, they chop off their heads they do not, in France. They have the exa well, Exactly. They, I think they invented the machine for this. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yes. Because yes. they will be subjected to this punishment if they don't use open source software. Of course, that is a joke. But in, in France, it's really being cracked down on. Uh, mm. But it sounds like more like in the UK, it's rather a recommendation. So you will not be quartered, hanged, and you had to be uh, chopped off as and decapitated if you do not use open source software in the public sector. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but uh, many of the... Um... Let's say uh, government departments I've, I've dealt with in the past, they, they have a, a strong use of open source software in many guises. Um, schools are not so great, unfortunately, on this front yet. Um, it's very much okay. a Microsoft stronghold, sadly. But um, Microsoft is this company in that splinter stage <laughs> of something formerly known as the United Kingdom, right? As in... The US of A. Yeah. I'm uh, completely mistaken. It used to be some kind of colony, but they had something just, against tea and then they decided to do something. Else. <laughs> I can't remember that. But that's a, something along so those lines. Yeah, it's a, a different subject. Anyway, uh, links yeah. maybe in your favorite history books. <laughs> Sorry, details mm. might be in your favorite mm. history books. Just read it up, people. Uh, jokes aside, no, okay. It sounds like more like a recommendation than a firm statute. No, well, yeah, but the, 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 uh, as I said, the, um, the government departments I've dealt with, like the, the, the DWP, the NHS, they, they What's very much, the DWP? Uh, uh, Department for Work and Pensions. They're up in Leeds. They have uh, a small campus there <laughs> with where lots of people work. But they uh, basically they give. Have, hang um, on, I thought you were still working. Have you reached retirement age already? Uh, sadly not. No. no. <laughs> See. Um, so what was what was the issue that you had to deal with with the DWP? Not an issue. No, they, they use open source software, so they need some assistance. Ah, so you assisted them. Hmm. Very good, very good. In the true spirit of sharing and caring. Uh, well, it was in a professional capacity. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. Only, 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 only money changed hands. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, goes to show that you can make money with open source software, people. Don't get me wrong. No, no, by all means. So, sorry, Martin, do carry on. 
Well, I mean, that, that bring, you mean you mentioned the point about making money, right? This is um, uh, all the, uh, the the dealings I've had with government organisations. They have been using open source software with commercial support. To be fair. Um, so may I ask what did hmm. they actually use at the DWP and the NHS? Of course, the NHS is sending, sending for the National Health Service, mm -hmm. which is the main healthcare provider in the UK. Uh, yeah, I mean, both of them obviously uh, strong Linux users, but mainly also um, Postgres database users. Oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> as as you, pretty much every organization in the world. <laughs> And by the way, Postgres 16 comes out next week, in case you're wondering. Uh, going back to my safe and uh, what, what exactly uh, is this that they use? Just curious, actually. Red Hat? I, yeah, I've already used Red Hat because ah, they can, okay. they can get because support. Of, support. Okay. Yep. of course, yep, yep, yep. Very, very well, very, very well. In contrast, actually, to a city called Munich, mm. Which nicely leads us actually into the to the German situation with regard to free liberal and open source software. Now, Munich is a very interesting example. Ah, I have a question. Of, yes, is this um, is this a local government policy? Because you have these kind of um, what do you call them? Uh, not states, but yeah, every state has their own kind of legislation to some degree. Yes, in contrast to what's the word I'm looking for? Monarchies. Which technically the UK still is, mm -hmm. I suppose. <laughs> Democracy came later, if at all. It's a good the question. Rest, hmm, the rest, actually, people will be in these two books just reading. Well, about. I don't know. A monarchy is—is is that where the head of state is—is a, is a king or queen? Well, you, you have a king now, no? We do, but is he actually the head of state? Question. Anyway, never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we digress no. here. Okay, let's go we back do, to the open source. Uh, hmm. Exactly. Munich, of course, would be the capital of a federal state known as Bavaria. Mm. Now, Bavaria Bayern. only oh. technically is part of Germany because many people, <laughs> Germans, probably being the most important ones in that group, would regard Bavaria as the taxes of Germany, as in always wanting to get out of the mess that is known as a federal country, a federally ruled country, let's put it this way, similar to the US and other countries. Mm. But technically, Bavaria is still part of, of Germany. So the way it works that each and every federal state has its own capital, and Munich would be the capital of said Bavaria. Mm -hmm. Munich made a very interesting decision in 2003, namely replacing the predominant Microsoft-based working stations with and also the backends with free and open source software. So the, a project called Linux, as in Linux for Munich, was born. Uh -huh. <laughs> that in contrast to said UK organizations, as in public body sectors, had the intention of rolling their own, for example, distro, in terms of a ready-to-be-installed distribution that could be used on backends, that could be used on at on, on desktops, with the kernel at the very base layer, and then the usual desktop environment in the very beginning based on KDE, if I'm not completely mistaken, and then a special set of applications targeted at a typical workflow of your public sector worker in Munich, 
as a mostly administrative working workflows like uh, registering for a passport, getting a driver's license, and you name it. The, the simple things that you do when you're working as a clerk in a public sector body, like in, like in, like mm. in Munich or like in other, any other state administration, so to speak. Long story short, some people in Redmond weren't too happy with this, as you can imagine. And now it probably is the time to shed some more light on the details of the situation. A company known as Microsoft has its German headquarters in a suburb of Munich called Glasbrunn, if I'm not completely mistaken. There. Okay. And they and Steve Barmer actually went to Munich with the aim of reversing that decision in the two in, in the in the two thousands. Uh, it took their sweet time in order to get there, and it also took some rigging of a consultancy company that came up with a paper on the whole situation and all the rest of it. Details, of course, people will be in the show notes. But let me put it this way, Linux is an example <clears throat> for how not to do it, especially if you're talking about a large federal state in a country where politics are at the very top of the list. Long story short, Microsoft started digging at this with the sweetener of moving its headquarters from, from Glasbrunn to Schwabing, which is actually a part of Munich. As in the, the carrot dangling in front of the um, administrative body, as in the administrate in Munich, if they would reverse this, this decision because with moving this headquarter, a serious amount of taxes would tag, would tag along because as you can imagine, if you move a headquarter from a suburb as in a, an independent town back to Munich, all of the taxes that Microsoft would have to pay would also go into Munich's, into Munich's coffers. And that was exactly the carrot that, that Balmer was dangling in front of the city. But it took them about 14 years time because only in 2017, they actually came to the conclusion that this Linux migration away from Windows was way too expensive, way too complicated and all the rest of it. And said, we want to go back to a Microsoft-dominated Was there not um, a, a lawsuit as well by Microsoft? Can't remember that. Maybe. Okay. I know that HP did a study on this, came up with a paper. Some people allude or relate this outcome to some Microsoft funding, let's put it this way. Because as you can imagine, <laughs> HP, with especially with their server uh, oh. what's what I'm looking for, a line of business, exactly, is or has been traditionally really dependent on Microsoft Windows, going back to some going mm. going back going back some time now. But I reckon that HP in itself is still a big Microsoft user, so the ties are I wouldn't say are clearly visible, but at least are somewhat under the covers, if you will. So push comes to shove. Munich eventually came to the conclusion in 2017 that this decision wasn't that the best one. And this is where, and now it gets really interesting. With the change of the political structure 
of the ruling body of Munich, that was that reverse decision was again reversed in 2020. Mm. Now, in 2020, uh, the newly formed capital government decided to reverse that decision back towards open source. Now, given the fact that we're recording this in 2023, it's been three years, the jury is still out on the overall outcome. But this is probably a perfect example for politics at play in such wide-ranging decisions because I think conservative estimates boil the number of desktops alone in the city that are involved in these decisions to around 40,000. Now, that's a lot, people. Especially if you're thinking about the people working at these desktops being trained, retrained, retrained once again on all the rest of it. Never mind the support, never mind the people looking after imaging these desktops and all the rest of it. Do we um, have some public insight into the finances of the Munich administration? As in... It's the the the, um, the numbers that are publicly available will be in the show notes, as in the links to them. Let's put it. Yeah, I'm just curious what um, you know. So, so they reversed it in <coughs> 2017 to go back to Microsoft, but yeah, needless to say, it's all hush hush because you're talking politics <sighs> at the end of the day. So the numbers that Probably are publicly available <laughs> may may or may not be correct. So anything published, you have to everything published, you have to take with a grain of salt. Goes without saying because interests are at play here. Goes without saying. Well, money, right? But I reckon it's totally different in the UK, where you have a clear-cut government ruled by not people by by people that can be bribed, right? That's the same for all government, surely. <laughs> I see. That's why they go into politics in the first place, I think. I can recall certain shenanigans with a certain Boris Johnson, but that's ages ago, I suppose. He's no longer on the uh, PM. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But this is not a but there's no podcast about politics, but rather mm. controls. Exactly. So, Martin, anything else we should mention before we move on the remaining subject of state-done distributions? Uh, Which yeah. gets really interesting. Okay. So, well, I mean, uh, what about the... Okay, so we can talk about government... Uh, organizations, departments, whatever, right? They can, they can uh, use it on desktop, they can use it on backends, etc. Um, I think the more uh, relevant question for me is around the schools, right? This is um, something that is rather uh, annoying over here, is that they all grew up with Microsoft, which means that they don't... Um, okay. Uh, get experience with with alternatives, um, and so it'd be nice to see, you know, because there is no reason for. Uh, yes, okay, obviously they're obviously heavily subsidised all the um, the school licences and so on, but it's kind of like anything. Um, if you're used to something, you're less likely to change or look into alternatives. Yes. Um, so 
What is the situation in other countries? Do we know? At least I know this for Germany, because in Germany it's been a grassroots effort, mm-hmm. especially in the southern parts of Germany, Baden-Württemberg comes to mind, where actually quite a few companies, mind you, tried to, tried to change this Microsoft-based product training, for bundle of a better expression, mm. to something much more open source related. They succeeded to some extent because quite a few districts in said federal state have adopted the use of FLOS software in schools. There, and as I said, links will be in the show notes, but uh, these links go back to a company. Well, one of them goes back to a company that is, of course, a German-based company, so the website would be in German because they cover the German market. But it's a grassroots effort, as in it basically it boils down to individual communities for bond of better expression, as in districts, cities, you name it, to call these shots because the schools, for example, in a town in Germany are government are governed by a body that is associated with this town or city. Meaning, yes, you have a ministry of culture on a federal level, but the individual product trusts and so forth boil down to a much more local level. It's what I mean by grassroots efforts. So each and every district town, what have you, running their school system gets to make their own choices. Mm -hmm. It's not mandated from the very top yeah. because that's a federal that's a federal approach here in Germany. I reckon in the UK it's it's really different, I suppose. Uh yeah, I mean the, the uh, there are different types of schools in the UK, as you know, but the, all the public schools they have um uh their uh the decisions are made by the um the the, the Department of Education, right? So, what about private schools? Yeah, private private schools have have more choice, but um, I think it's more of a self perpetuating kind of scenario, right? It's um, uh, if the teachers don't know about it, there's no support infrastructure for um, uh, you know, educating the teachers or helping the teachers to, to promote these things and. Uh, the IT staff in the schools they won't know how to use it or install it and look after it and so on so this is I mean it's all kind of self-perpetuating once okay unless there is a you know a high level ruling to change all this then because yeah yeah it's not a it's it's not a one day from the next thing right these things take time people need to be retrained by body and so on so Yep. Absolutely. And given, given the fact that you have kids actually attending mm. the university, university system in the UK, is it really different in the, in universities in the UK? Well, universities, they have their own uh, choice of, by that time, clearly they uh, have many years of YouTube experience, but <laughs> they can find out anything they need to and uh, use whichever software they need to as well. So, um, No, I meant actually from a curriculum perspective. As in, ah, I see, I see. Uh, um, Floss being part of the overall, say, for example, if you want to compute, if you want to study computer mm-hmm. science, that actually open source is part of the curriculum. As in, you're being trained on Linux. Oh yeah, use, of course, yeah. Uh, open source compilers. You use open source mm-hmm. ecosystems, frameworks, what have you. Because yes, I clearly sure. see yeah. this in Germany happening on a broader level. I was just, I was just talking 
over the last year to a number of universities, mm. and the adoption rate of open source technologies, not just for teaching, as in you learn you have a you have a course on Linux. Uh, major projects are done on are done with open source software and all the rest. It's just oh. amazing. Yeah, I reckon yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. the same. Same in Holland as well. It's uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, given the predominant, I reckon, position of Holland with regards to open source. I mean, Linux comes to mind and all the rest of it. Holland must be really at the forefront with regards to use of open source software in the university system, no? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, one of my nieces is studying um, uh, medical computer science or something like that, but and everything is open source based. Amazing. So, Berlin, if you're listening, go to Amsterdam, check it out. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, Den Haag, Den Haag. That would be, Haag. no. Den Haag is the capital of Holland, of Holland no? It's not a capital, but that's where the government resides, yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes, I was getting confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, cap the capital is what? Amsterdam. Nijmegen or Amsterdam. <laughs> not Nijmegen, okay? No, not Nijmegen. I always get confused. Sorry about this. Anyway, okay. We still have, I think, two and a half minutes to spend on government distributions. Um, just name two examples. Yes, governments have copped on to the to the fact that Microsoft is not in the solution at its end. So, for example, China has come up with a distribution called Deepin. And, of course, as I said, links in the show notes. Deepin is actually the idea, of course, behind, behind these state-done distributions. And when I say it's state-done, I mean you have more often than not a body that is state funded that looks after software and one of the outcomes is actually something that you can use which is Linux based on your desktop. So China has something called Deepin which is based on Debian Stable. As a matter of fact... What about Red Star OS? Yeah, I'm, we're getting there in a minute, Mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder, please. <laughs> now, Deepin is a very particular case because they have been a member of something called the Linux Software Foundation since 2015 that goes to that goes to show that actually yes you. you can you can actually do your distribution and you can peddle it outside of china as well mm. and, more and what's the reason for them to do their own distribution well it's an alternative to pay microsoft dollars i suppose then what about using um center west or rocky or whatever right Deepin, if you're listening, the email address is feedback at linux.in.law.eu. If you, if you care to, to share your choice of Debian Stable as the foundation for Deepin, mm, let me know. Yes. Or let yes. us know, rather. No, jokes aside, apparently it's, it, the, the, option is, the adoption rate in China is quite, is quite visible, if not remarkable. But, well, it's probably a question of not having a choice over there. Exactly. <laughs> but outside China, yes, some people use it because uh, the um, sources actually speak about an, an invisible adoption rate outside China as well. Uh, but I can at least recall one or two German podcasts doing a review of this quite some time uh -huh. ago, which okay. is interesting, given the fact that uh, this is a Chinese distribution. Mm. Uh, now, you already mentioned Red Star. Now, Red Star is a very interesting 
project. The full name is Red Star Operating System, and it's actually done in North Korea. Hmm. Now, given the fact that this is not pure floss, it's still worth mentioning because it has been in existence since 1998. Hmm. This is basically when the first cut was rolled. I think it was point, point 0.1 or something like this. Of course, the idea was, A, to gain independence from the likes of Red Hat, the likes of Microsoft and all the rest of it. But also, of course, because, and this is where it gets really interesting. If you go to the website, if you check out the, wiki, the, the, the corresponding Wikipedia page, it's classified as propriety software. Mm, okay. For the very same reason that not all of its components are under a free and open source software license. Uh-huh. Of course, the idea is that, A, you compile a Linux distribution we have full control over, and, of course, because I reckon it's mostly used in North Korea, you have a backdoor into each and every desktop, server, whatever, that that has this operating system installed. So you can exactly suss out what's going on on these machines. Hence, it's not all um, open source software license. Yeah, there are probably some uh, yeah, some components that allow <laughs> the government to spy on their exactly. citizens. <laughs> Plus, they have mm. a very interesting update policy because, for example, in 2011, uh-huh. when Firefox, one of their main browser choices, was already on version 5, they were still on version 3.5. So uh-huh. they probably have adopted the CentOS approach, just let it, let it, what's the word I'm looking for? Mature. Mature for a while, exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark. Exactly. So I, I reckon, I mean, jokes aside, it's probably something that they use heavily to spy on their own people. Again, in pure speculation. But if you put these pieces together, it, it all makes sense at the end of the day. Hmm. There's no, nobody decompiled this stuff. Then. Have a look at it. Uh, not that I know of, but uh, people feel free to do to do that sort of research and send us feedback. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody would have taken this apart and written paper. Yeah, on it. exactly. But I haven't found this yet. Anything else we should mention before we wrap this up, Martin? Well, I guess uh, why are we discussing this, right? It, um... This is this is quite forward, actually. No. To instill hope in in the in the ah. cherished listenership that not all the, that not all of the taxpayers' money is wasted, mm. so that we can keep the number of brutal and bloody revolutions to a minimum. Just well, because I mean, of this the, reason, no. Yeah, that's that's one. I mean, uh, the use of of open source software in, in governments and schools, etc. By not spending more uh, taxpayers' money as 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 needed, however, um, just by user alone, does that really help the open source projects? Right. So, uh, could they do more to? Um, yeah, this is the whole funding as discussion around debate around open source software. Um, 
could more be done if if they would actually actively engage in these projects um, rather than just promote the usage? Who edge thought, right? So okay, yes. Uh, if use and if so, why are they not doing it? <laughs> well, that's actually a very good question. But I reckon it, it, two sides of the story here. Fair enough. Mm. Or two sides of the coin. Yes, taxpayers' money is to, should be spent. My opinion, I reckon that goes for Martin as well on open source software because open source software drives innovation among other things, and open source software carries the usual advantages. No need to explain this because if you wouldn't know this, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Second aspect to this whole thing. Well, the, if you stop yeah. there for a second, you come back to the second one in a minute because uh, we talk about spending money on open source software. The money is spent on support. Right and training, which is usually done by commercial entities um, who have taken on those open source projects rather than, you know, a true, uh, let's say, um, open source non-for-profit organization. Correct, Martin, but if you take a look at a company called, formerly known as Red Hat, now truly IBM, I suppose, mm. never mm. mind branding or not. Yep. That company inside IBM, sorry, that line of business, not a company anymore, I reckon, but that line of business still spends a lot of their revenue on research and development. GNOME, the kernel, are just two examples here, where much of the contributions of the commits actually come from Red Hat. But, yeah, return, please, yes. Exactly. I mean... Red Hat employees as the IBM employees still, still working on these projects. Yes. And for example, Nextcloud, best example. Nextcloud, as yeah. some people know, is a software vendor that supplies one of the most 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 used as in as in favorite collaboration platforms on the planet. If they wouldn't have the revenue, and Frank Karliczek, if you're listening, our heart goes out to you because we're using, as a Linux in-laws, are using a Nextcloud instance to to do this podcast too. If Frank Karliczek wouldn't have this, and Frank Karliczek, of course, being the proprietor of, or, or the CEO of that company, if Frank wouldn't have this revenue, he couldn't spend money on paying the software engineers to develop the code base further, uh... which is publicly available on GitHub. Was it Nextcloud who had the different operating model, or was that Big Blue it Button? Had, no, it had, but they reversed this. They reversed this? Yes. Ah, how come? Because they came to sense, because they came to sense in terms of, they came to the conclusion that, for example, limiting certain functionality in the corpus didn't make sense, the enterprise or not. So, no, no, I mean the the whole um, organization of the um, that every contributor was a shareholder and stuff like that. Do not know. To be honest with you, I didn't think. I don't think that they had this in the first place. But maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I never checked out. Podcast. Anyway, um, yeah, that was so that, ages uh, ago. Yes, I know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, but um, yeah, so so this is the point, right? So, so an Excel model where every contributor is a shareholder, probably, probably fine. Um, this is different from a Red Hat where 
the ultimate goal is to fund the shareholders or to, uh, yeah that's what how that company is controlled so find their employees do um open source contributions that's which is great um but it's a different operating model and no martin I reckon for Nextcloud, it's, it's, it's just just going back to the company. Mm. It's fair to say that the company does the commits. Yeah, the 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 employees write the code. Fair enough. But one of the business models, one of the most important business models, actually, with that service generated revenue, with regards to support and all the rest of it, you actually fund the code base that is published. Which is free for everybody to download, which is free for everybody to install. If you don't have, if if you don't need support, you like the in-laws, you can host that yourself. You just roll your own, fine. Mm. But the code is available, and the innovations come from set revenue of Nextcloud and, of course, the rest of the contributors. But if you check out the code base, most of the commits actually come from Nextcloud employees. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you, you're kind of making a case for uh, innovation is only uh, possible by funding, which is not entirely true in open source world, I would argue. True, very true. Uh, but somebody has to pay the bills. Well, th this is my point. Uh, the governments could be employing contributors, supporters to certain open source projects right, that are critical to their which, running which... Which, of course, France does with a set of repositories that I mentioned earlier, mm. because all of this code would be would have been written by state employees and would have been made available to the general public. Very good. There you go. You heard it here first. France is ahead of the. <laughs> so, <laughs> Monsieur Macron, if you're listening, <laughs> if you want to make the the French case. The email addresses feedback and little in laws that you just send a mail and we'll sort you out. As a matter of fact, no jokes aside, if anybody from a public sector body is listening and would like to be on this podcast, because I reckon with the last hour we just touched the surface, mm -hmm. we just scratched the, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Feel free, if you have the time to, to make your case, to shed some light on your most important slash pet whatever project free fee to get in touch and we would be more than happy to host you for the episode indeed uh, and that of course does include red star os but only if you can talk about the back doors <laughs> yeah, that would be great <laughs> okay it. jokes jokes aside the pox is martin yeah what's your pox good question um my pox is I think really I would say the Netherlands is my pox of the week. You come from there, Martin. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and now, why is the Netherlands your pox? Um, I mean, well, I, I get because, it. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's a great country. Very. Yeah, yeah no, there, there are there, is, there, there are specific reasons. All the rest of it. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I, don't I know get about that, that angle. <laughs> But no, I mean seriously. I mean, I mean, you, you haven't been to Amsterdam yet. Okay, fair enough. That's think, fine. There's too many tourists there. Yeah, the, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> I think the name of the street, so I heard anyway, is Spiegelkracht or something like this. <laughs> For be, all adult entertainment choices that come to mind. Entirely possible. 
Um, so you're clearly the, the expert on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, Martin, this is what I heard now. <laughs> ah, I see. No, Martin, why? I mean, it's I, I, I mean, I have my perspective on this, but more mm. on that in a minute. But why do you relate back to your home country in that regard? Um, yeah, well, clearly because, uh, oh, clearly. Um, I have been not living there for quite some years now. Uh, but it's quite, um, uh, looking at the country from the outside, so to speak, makes it a little bit more real or, or um, you have a better perspective on on what the country is about, what the people are about. Um, and yeah, in, in short, it's, I mean, the, the, there is a lot of uh, knowledge or, or people know about the tolerance of the Dutch people, et cetera, et cetera. And, but that's, that is really the case that they do try and uh, live together in 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 many ways in in a, not just in uh, let's say the uh, normal ways with schools and and uh, immigrants and stuff like that. It's it's also about how they deal with infrastructure and nature and all the kind of things. It's mm. um, yeah, it's very much uh, yeah. Uh, Less of a third world country. <laughs> they put some serious thought into uh, into what they do and decide, and uh, yeah, with with a common goal in mind. Usually, I mean, this is where they come from. No, all these centuries ago, when they evolved from a what's the word I'm looking for? Northwest German. Uh, I don't yeah. know. The Spanish were there, the French were there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> there are many, many different people, right? Well, at, at the end <laughs> of the day, and, and, this is, and this goes mm. back at least a thousand, if not more years, I mean, they come from a northwestern German tribe called the Frisians. Or most of them, anyway. Let's put it this way. The people in Frisland, though, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which kind of spread then through the countryside, but there's a different story for another history podcast mm. or whatever. But at the end of the day, they separated, especially for the last couple of centuries, from the predominant German ruling in terms of what Germany stood for. And fair play to them, because in many regards, and this is my pure biased German perspective, in many regards, Netherlands is the better Germany. When it I get the down... impression that Germany is a bit more divided, right? It's, it's yes. More, yeah, yeah. The Netherlands have, among other things, a much more relaxed approach to certain aspects of modern life, never mind their true meaning of democracy, which I reckon is not too far off from the Swiss approach of how to rule a country. As in how mm. to go, rule, of course, is the wrong word, how to govern a country with mm. regards to when it comes down to basic decisions, basic functioning. Yeah. Because in Germany, you have a federal system that is fragmented down to 16 federal states and to at least six, seven parties mm. in the federal government in Berlin. Which is not too far off from 16 in the Knesset, which is the Israeli government, if I'm not completely mistaken. Mm -hmm. But no, jokes aside, it's 
I mean, and I'm not the only one, I reckon, seeing the Netherlands in that light. Of course, both countries do have their disadvantages, goes without saying. Mm, no worries about that. But I reckon in many regards, Netherlands has really kind of taken the forefront on certain aspects that really make a country work, I suppose. And full disclosure, I have been to Netherlands about 20, 25 times. And any time I really was looking going, I, I was really looking forward to going back there. Never mind Amsterdam or not, because in contrast to popular belief, the Netherlands do consist of much more than just Amsterdam. Indeed, indeed. Okay. Anyway, so people, what about your if, box? Yeah, so, last sentence on this. People, if you want to see a really nice country, just go to the Netherlands. And if you are so inclined, go outside Amsterdam, because Amsterdam is great, but the rest is even better and cheaper, I think. It's definitely better, yeah. Amsterdam is just for tourists, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay, to, back to my pox. Okay, yeah, yes. my pox is actually a fan movie called Predator Dark Ages. For uh, those of you okay. who are not familiar with Predator, Predator goes back to a 1987 yeah. movie. With... Oh, that long ago. <laughs> exactly, Martin. Yes, <laughs> but I got old. With one of probably the, one of the famous actors of all times called Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm joking. <laughs> of Terminator fame and all the rest of it. For those few people who do not know the original Predator movie, it's essentially mm. about a group of mercenaries falling prey to an alien mercenary, warrior, whatever you want to call it. Being. <laughs> Being, thank you very of, much. Of not non-friendly and, disposition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, like a warrior is probably the best description. Mm, yes. And it, the movie has reached cult status in certain quarters. I wouldn't go that far. But it has spawned, for want of a better expression, a franchise of... Uh, Remakes? Mediocre uh, well, sequels. <laughs> sequels, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. But if, you, if you're really looking for a good... Version, if you're really looking for a good sequel, Private Dark Ages is about 26 minutes long. The story, and I won't give away too much now because that would be spoiling the, the, the fun. The movie is about a group of crusaders in Scotland, <laughs> or going back to Scotland, and then falling and then running into something. Oh, sorry, this is the new one, not the old one. Yes. yes. No, no. Sorry, yes, sorry, no. Arnie didn't run into into the Predator in Scotland. No, no, no. No, no, no. no I, I thought this was in the jungle. Yeah, I don't remember any jungles in Scotland. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, the Dark Ages is actually, as I said, among of uh, about a about a group of crusaders and quite a mixed bunch, as they used to be back then, uh, as I said, a thousand years ago, and rather than running into this Predator, but. Uh. In contrast to the other Predator movies, this one is really worth watching because A, it's short, and B, the plot is very good. It's really short. (laughs) Yes. And the twist at the end is really watchable. Don't miss miss out on it if you're into Predator. So, as I said, uh, available at your your streaming service of choice, I suppose. Just go for Hmm. it. Of course, links will be in the show notes. Nice. This is the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank Thank you you for for listening. listening.
This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share like. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margaret, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Chimando a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. Mm-hmm.